Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The World Cricket Show is proudly sponsored by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919. That was good. That was good, that one. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, charging headfirst into a third decade of podcasting in spite of rather demoralising popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one and I'm joined yet again by Tony Kerr who put his head in his hands when <laughs> I mentioned that this was the third decade of doing the podcast. How's it going, Tony? Yeah, it's good, thanks. Yeah, Happy New Year and all that. It, yeah, it does feel like we're in, we're in Back to the Future now, aren't we? We've, we've, like, we've skipped forward. We're suddenly in kind of some sort of dystopian vision of the 20s. 2020 is getting a bit out of hand, isn't it? You didn't do one of those uh, start of the decade, end of the decade posts on social media? No, no. Didn't fancy it? I mean, didn't want social to media's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> but yeah, it, it feels harsh being too mean to people that I sort of love and care about. But, some, but that being said. <laughs> but obviously quite a lot's going to change in 10 years. I just don't really, yeah. I'm not interested in your top nine, your nine photos or whatever, your, your decade development. Just not interested really. A lot has changed. I mean, you look at you, Tone. Start of the decade, you were a, an unsuccessful podcaster, and now <laughs> a very slightly less unsuccessful podcaster. It's been a real, it's been a roller coaster, roller coaster ride over the decade. No, I don't know. No, just post what you want on social media. Just yeah, ignore me. <laughs> Do what you want. Post Do whatever what you makes want. you happy. But that being said, because I don't like seeing it, but I am glued to it still. So I will still scroll through every single one of them. You do read Twitter like it's your job, which in a way, I suppose it is part of your job. But many is the time when, you know, we've been somewhere together and and you'll go, right, I'm off. I've got to go disappear out the door and then I'll leave like 10 or 15 minutes later and I'll see you in your car with a little blue light (laughs) illuminating your face and you're just scrolling through Twitter. Yeah. Other than this podcast, is there anything you've done consistently throughout the decade? You know, other than, you know, like brush your teeth and stuff. I mean, is there any, any project? That's a great this? question. I mean, this is actually occupies probably more significant part of my life than, well, I've been doing it longer than my job. Yeah. Current job. Arguably my career, if you can call it a career. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> longer than any one house or flat I've lived in. Mm-hmm. Longer than my relationship. It's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah. We really should have packed this in a long time ago. <laughs> And you've devoted <laughs> so much of yourself to it as well. <laughs> yeah. You really, you put a lot of hard yards in before each episode afterwards. It's not like you just roll in. <laughs> you don't even roll in. I have to come to you, you now. now. roll in. <laughs> the, bu- the buzzer goes. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> it's here. 
He's here. <laughs> yeah, that's usually your girlfriend. Okay? <laughs> He's here. We've switched seats today. We sat around your kitchen table. We've switched seats from what we normally have. You insisted on sitting in, in what you described as the director's chair. Yeah. You were getting annoyed with being uh, pushed out of the... the <laughs> I felt sidelined. The good everybody. chair that you like. Yeah. So we'll see if that makes a difference to your performance today. Quite a lot to talk about as well. There's loads to talk about, yeah. That we have, we've been doing this podcast a whole decade and beyond. Uh, we're still talking about cricket and we've got a lot of cricket to talk about today. England are in South Africa and they've got off to a very rocky start in that test series, losing the Boxing Day test amidst deleted scenes from the movie Contagion. Uh, so we're going to be diving into all the talking points from that game in Centurion. We'll be discussing Australia v New Zealand as well. And also the latest ICC wheeze to shake up test cricket. Four-day tests uh, is being mooted. And I think both of us have got plenty to say about that. Yeah, backed definitely but cautiously by the ECB. Yeah. Which is an interesting way of uh, describing it. Well, we'll come on to that tone, but let's start in South Africa, where on Boxing Day, England kicked off the, the marquee series of their winter against the Proteas at Centurion. England won the toss and Joe Root, somewhat surprisingly, opted to put South Africa in. And although Jimmy Anderson took the wicket of Dean Elgar with the first ball of the match, they didn't bowl particularly well on the first day. Quinton de Kock made 95 and South Africa got 284 all out, which on that pitch, after being put in, was a pretty good total uh, and it looked even better when England collapsed from 142 for three to 181 all out. Vernon Philander taking four for 16 in 14.2 overs and Kagiza Rabada three for 68 as well. South Africa then went out and made 272 in their second innings uh, and that set England a target of 376, which was always likely to be beyond them. They did get off to a very good start opening partnership of 92. Some people were beginning to dream uh, when they were only three wickets down at the end of day three. Uh, but South Africa bowled very well on the fourth day, took wickets at regular intervals, and England were eventually all out for 268 with more wickets for Rabada and wickets for the debutant Anrik Norkia um, as well. So that wrapped up a victory for South Africa by... 107 runs, so pretty convincing in the end. They're, they're ending a run of, of five consecutive test defeats for them and adding to a pretty miserable start to England's winter. Lots to talk about, Tony. But the first thing I just wanted to say is that I thought this was a pretty good game. It wasn't that close in the end, but I really enjoyed it. Probably helped by the fact that I watched an awful lot of it. Good time zone in South Africa. I'm not at work. And, uh, and, yeah, and yeah, I just settled down in front of the TV uh, to watch a lot of cricket. A few things in life are better than a Boxing Day test, am I That's right? It's true. It is true. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, well, brilliant? I don't know. It was It was very good, wasn't it? It yeah. was moderately brilliant. It, yeah, it lacks the big finish, but um, but every, everything up to then was, was, was pretty enjoyable. Lots of talking points. Uh, some really good performances to enjoy. Yeah, I guess not so many you know, on England side of things. Yeah, prob yeah, interesting. Very interesting start to the to the winter for well, it's not really the start of the winter to, is the, it? to the to the proper winter the series. Yeah, for England. Yeah, lots to talk about. We just keep talking about how much there is to talk about. <laughs> Loads to talk about. Just put it off. Lots to talk about on England, but but just to start on South Africa, 
Um, over the last few months, we've been we've been about we've been a bit negative about them. Certainly, I have been about the kind of future of the South African team. You know, very very heavy defeat in India, as I mentioned. Lost five tests in a row prior to this. Lost at home to Sri Lanka at the start of the year. Very poor World Cup as well. Turmoil off the field. Huge turmoil off the field. Um, but they did play really well here. You'd have to say, uh, obviously, back on home soil helps but also they have sorted out some of that turmoil off the field some of their backroom issues installed a new coach in mark boucher a new director of cricket in graham smith really getting the band back together because jack callis is doing some uh, batting coaching as well so you know that that all felt very positive it you know just after we did our kind of series preview on the christmas special all of that happened and and suddenly there was a different vibe about the team coming in to the series uh, and then they turned up and, and performed in the game. Now, obviously, England have issues and, and we'll talk about them. Lots to talk about there. Um, but it's also perhaps a reminder that there are, you know, for, for all that they do have pretty substantial problems, This you know, this South African side, they do still have some exceptional players. I mean, Philander and Rabada were just a joy to watch, particularly on the second morning. I know you enjoyed their, their, their bowling there. I don't know why I, just, I coughed and I just said, I just coughed. <laughs> <laughs> Been doing this for, just over, for more than a decade yeah. and uh, still learning. Yeah. Yeah. Philander and Rabada were just, were just fantastic, weren't they? Um, yeah. Probably particularly Philander, just the consistency, you know, not, not doing anything mad pace wise, obviously, you know, never has, but just, yeah. Put England under the pump just constantly it was it was yeah really was an entertaining few spells when he had the ball Rabada as well you know he's got that sort of buttery action yeah really great to watch and, and kind of well I've definitely showed up England's bowlers uh you know and, and as you know as you mentioned as well Nokia uh looked really good and obviously made his debut in India which is probably not given the context of the series as well they had out there you know that wouldn't have been too enjoyable but uh, his sort of first proper crack at you know a, a, a wicket a kind of wicket and a, an opportunity to get some wickets and he did that he looked really good and fast as well he's mm. got some serious wheels he's bowling uh, well above 90 miles an hour at times and it does you know and it does seem that South Africa can just kind of pluck really good and really fast fast bowlers from nowhere all the time like you know obviously uh, Dwan Olafir came in a year or so ago was brilliant then disappeared off uh, on a cold pack contract and they just you know bring someone else in it's it's in the batting where they've got the issues you know there, there are there are definitely uh, worries about the talent coming through in the batting department but in the bowling as you say they but in the you know in the bowling they are Still very strong, although they're they are about to lose Vernon Philander. He's retiring at the end of this series, and that retiring to Somerset. Well, yeah, he's retiring from international cricket yeah. at the end of this series and going off to take up one of those cold pack contracts. And that is a huge loss to international to international cricket. Obviously, he's thirty four, so he's perhaps coming towards the end of his career anyway. But he's still, as evidenced in this game, he still has got it, and he's like he's just he's a remarkable player. Really, he's he's just so as you say, he's not quick. He only bowls at you know, in this game, he's only bowling at sort of 78, 79 mile an hour most of the time, which is not much quicker than Paul Collingwood. Um, but he just gives absolutely nothing away. He's just so kind of metronomically consistent on that line and length in in the corridor. Who is it? Damien Fleming. That's like the boulevard of 
of doubt. Uh, <laughs> the the, av- the avenue of trepidation anxiety the avenue of anxiety okay uh yeah so he's just just so consistent there and has the skills to kind of you know swing the ball just enough his numbers are pretty ridiculous like there's there's an argument for him being an all-time great because there was a stat doing the rounds which i think i retweeted uh you probably read it tone uh during your your long twitter reading sessions in the car but uh there's a stat that he which is a bonkers stat that he is the only player in history to have taken more than 200 wickets with an, a, a bowling average of less than 22 and a batting average above 24. He's the only one. Uh, and of modern bowlers with more than 200 wickets, only Malcolm Marshall, Joel Garner, Kirtley Ambrose and Glenn McGrath have lower averages. So that is that's pretty good company to be keeping. And it, it, the fact that he doesn't bowl fast is one of the kind of striking things about him. The only thing I would say that because it, it's been talked about a lot in this test by, you know, by English uh, fans and media talking about the fact that, you know, the England have taken a lot of criticism or there's been a lot said about the fact that England have struggled to take wickets overseas in recent years. And people saying, is that people pointing to the lack of pace in their bowling attack, certainly in the Ashes series two years ago. And people saying, well, look at Werner Philander, you know, he, He's not quick, um, and yet he does what he does. And so it's it's not just about pace. It's more complicated than that. You know, I think there's definitely some truth in that. The only thing I would say is that throughout Vernon Philander's career, he's been bowling opposite Dale Steyn, Morny Morkel, Kagiza Rabada. There's been a lot of pace in the South African attack, and that probably does help him, the the change of pace. If, it, if they were all bowling at Vernon Philander's pace, it might be different. But at the other end, the batsmen are coming under a bit of a barrage, and then he can just sort of roll in and and pitch it on that line and length at 80 miles an hour and nibble it all around. As you mentioned, he's he's disappearing off to join Somerset. I don't necessarily want to get into another big discussion about the Colpack situation, but that is rather depressing news, isn't it? I'll say he is coming towards the end yeah, of his I mean, career he's not, anyway. Yeah, he's not young, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess... The, well, you know, cricket needs a strong South Africa. Is that a cliche? Probably, but... Um, needs a strong everyone. Needs I a strong guess, everyone, exactly. Yeah. And obviously with what, everything that's gone on in South African cricket over the last you know year or two, uh, the situation they've had coming into it, is, yeah, it's a shame he, he couldn't stuck around for another couple of years to, to kind of, I don't know, if, if, if this is some sort of transition or mm. if they are trying to kind of, you know, lay a more stable foundation, it's, it's not ideal timing, but then you just got to do what you got to do. Well, yeah. No, it's a good point that they, they've lost a lot of big names over the last couple of years and obviously recently lost Stain and Morkel. So from the team point of view, it would be good if Philander could stick around and smooth that transition. But I guess from his point of view, he is still performing at the top level. He can still uh, walk into a, a county coal pack contract and, and earn the, you know, the money that that brings. If he waits around another couple of years and his form does start to dip, is that going to be the case? So yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I don't think you can blame him. Not at all. I, I think it's, well, w- one thing I would say is I, um, how to phrase this diplomatically like there you know i've seen on twitter and elsewhere uh kind of somerset fans or and somerset themselves kind of celebrating the signing and i just it was a bit the same when uh yorkshire signed olafir as well it's like i just think they need to be careful about how they communicate that that message because it's it's not good news for cricket and like i Obviously, I would say this because I'm not a Somerset fan, 
but I really don't care about something. You know, people saying like, oh, what a signing. He's going to be really important in the championship. I, do, I don't care about that. I don't care how Somerset do in the championship. I care about county cricket as a whole and how it supports the England team. But I don't care about Somerset's fortunes. And it's it's very bad news, I think, for cricket more widely. So I think they just, although you can't blame Flander and you can't blame Somerset, I think they just need to be careful about how they, um, about the kind of messaging of it. And I also think the ECB need to face up to this situation because it's just getting worse and worse and think about whether there's anything they can do to alleviate it. Because, well, the ECB need to use their kind of clout, their considerable clout at the ICC to help create a more equitable financial situation for countries like South Africa. It's a wider problem around the South African economy but you know the, the fact that the South African cricket board aren't able to pay even their top stars like Vernon Flander what a county like Somerset can could be aided by the ECB and the BCCI and, and Cricket Australia doing more to spread the money around and and, and give them a, you know a bigger share of the pie and not be playing uh, private ODI series between themselves, between the big three, which apparently is now going to start happening from from 2021. You know, there, there, needs to be, there was talk at one time of a kind of test fund that the money would go into a central pool and then be distributed. It's obviously not going to happen in that way, but they might be able to do something, at least give them some more money because they need, they need as you say, they need South Africa to be strong. They need teams to play against you well they, think. I suppose they don't if they're just going to invite Australia and India but that's very short term well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, people it's, get bored of that really quickly it's pretty painful really yeah. I think uh, I mean perhaps we'll talk a bit more about that I, mean, I don't know how much there is to say it's just a terrible idea yeah uh, and that's that's all you need to know I mean it, it, it's you know it's pure greed isn't it yeah. it's nothing there's no other there's no assessment. justification yeah. for it yeah but yeah, I mean, it's great for South. I mean, yeah, we'll come to England in a second, obviously. But yeah, lots really, to you know, talk about. Great, so much to talk about. Uh, but but you know, good good on South Africa, as you said. As we said, it has been pretty tough for them. So uh, that'll be a, a you know, be a real Philip that result, and and you know, good for Faf Duplessis as well. Because uh, I guess for him as well, it's been a very tough few months. And I you know, I don't necessarily think he did anything too complicated or too like jazzy. Almost that. Yeah, so just did the right things and and made the sensible decisions. Yeah, and he yeah, I, I like him. He sort of he, I like him. I, li- I like him. He, he sort of he could be like a sort of tank commander, couldn't he, or something? He's kind of uh, sort of air he gives off. All right, let's talk about England tone. So much to talk about. Let's talk about it. What did you make of their performance? Obviously, a a big defeat in the end. At times, they were in the game but never really on top of the game. And it's another defeat. 2019, the first series this century where they failed to win a test series and a poor start to this one as well. Here's one for you, Tane. Should we be doing a Ryan Johnson and getting the Knives Out? (laughs) Do you get it? Because there's a film out in cinemas at the moment called Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. It's good. Topical. Mm. Um, Topical and very very funny hilarious <laughs> actually hilarious uh i, I don't know it, there's there's yeah things don't really seem to be moving terribly well in the right direction i mean i guess it's very early days for silverwood yeah people were like silverwood out yeah 
which I didn't necessarily think it was the right appointment. You weren't, be, you weren't silverwood in either. But, but, yeah, but yeah. it'd be very harsh, I think, to judge him on the, you know on the three tests we've seen so far. I think so. I, I mean, the worry is, and it's you know something you spoke about, I guess, before at least after the appointment. You know, is it's kind of you know from within. Mm. It you know have we just seen a or are we seeing just a continuation of the same issues that that the, the team had or has had for a few years now. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, okay, and they won't make excuses, but the illness thing has got to have been a massive factor in this. Yeah, it must have been a fairly chaotic build-up. I don't know how many players, several players were down, weren't they? Players were going off the pitch. Backroom staff were ill as well. I think since the start of the tour, 11 players have had it. And yeah, during the game, certainly, well, Stokes just before the game, and then during the game, Butler, Root. And Stokes, you know, Stokes' dad was critically ill, wasn't Mm. he? Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, and this is in a context of, I guess, test teams not necessarily having the best preparation anyway when mm. they arrive on tour. So, yeah, I do think that they should be given some slack for that. And we'll see maybe, I don't know, you know, it, it might derail the whole tour in the end because it's, yeah, just of, of circumstances. But we'll, we'll see how it develops. That said, there's, there's a couple of things that I just, yeah, I don't know what was going on. Like why they recalled Bearstow. Mm. And I know, okay, I know players were ill and, and, and whatnot, and Pope, who had played well in New Zealand, uh, wasn't available. But for me, the, it just, it, you know, it's arguably only set him back, bringing him back in the side. He shouldn't what, be on the tour. No, what, what, you know, what did he get? Uh, one and one no, and nine. Nine, yeah. Um, when he was clean bowled in the first innings, which is a kind of ongoing problem. And then the second innings, new ball taken, swats the first one for four and then chases a really wide one second ball and steers it to gully. I've just had my head in my hands at that point. It's like, it was so predictable. How many bats went other in England? Like, you don't need to go back to Johnny Bairstow at this point. Like, I really like him. I like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's clearly, yeah, he's obviously a very, very talented cricketer. But for whatever reason, it's not been working he needed some time away and they've mm. just basically pulled him straight back in. Well, yeah. And, and he's indispensable in the white ball team yeah. as well. And I, I, I've made this point before, but I wonder if that sometimes gets a bit forgotten, not least by me, when you're looking at him in the test team and wondering why he has so much, why the selectors continue to show so much faith in him and Root has so much faith in him. A, they obviously like him as a, as a person, uh, but B, he is so good in white ball cricket and they, these are all, they're all the same people. I think of them as two separate entities, but they are the same people. And if you're that good in one team, I can see why they, they think, well, you know, he's been so, and why Bearstone himself thinks I've been so good for England over the last 18 months, but in test cricket, he hasn't been. Yeah. As you say, it's, it's not doing him any favors, him being there at the moment. I don't think he'll probably go out and score a hundred in this test, but yeah. England just looked sort of messy. The, the, when you look at the team sheet, I, I, I still think it just looks a bit all over the place, really. There's, 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 there's a lot of issues. I mean, there are positives, of course, uh, but I think like 1 to 11, every, you know, everyone's kind of a bit hampered at the moment, it seems. Or there's, there's issues plaguing mm. almost everyone. Well, I think, in fairness, I think they, are, they have been trying, or they have had a go at solving some of those issues. As you say, when you like looking at the team and it just looks a bit of a mess. To me, in the summer, it looked even more of a mess when you had Butler as a specialist batsman at seven and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like they have at least tried to 
make some sense of the team. And they did leave out Bairstow in New Zealand, but bringing him back and not picking a spinner here, it is kind of creeping back into that thing where they're slightly shirking making some tough decisions. Like even picking Sam Curran for this game, who did bowl really well and take, what, four wickets in the first innings. And it's really hard to leave him out because he is so effective when he plays. He always does something. But he does kind of unbalance the team. And like, I just think you need a spinner. I know Jack Leach is unavailable because he's really not very well. And it would be a a big risk to bring in Parkinson or, you know, Bess has been called up. I don't understand why Bess has been called up, but Bess has been called up despite not being first choice for his county. Whoever you pick there, it's a it's a gamble, but you just need a spinner, I think, in, in test cricket. And, you know, obviously they're not going to leave out Anderson, Broad or Archer. So Curran is the one to go, but they sort of, they don't want to make that decision, but it does just make the team look a bit weird. Well, not just look a bit weird, it, it is a bit weird. And yeah, there are other things like, uh, well, the, the decision at the toss was clearly a bad decision to put Safka in, not helped by the fact that they bowled poorly on the first day. And then Root's tactics, I thought, were, were quite poor. Not enough slips. The bowlers bowled two shorts, which is presumably at least partly a tactic. So Root has some responsibility there. I think you said, I didn't see this. You said NASA was spitting at one well, point no, on think, Sky. Was I, it? Yeah, I think... Was a, there was definitely a sense of exasperation mm. uh, at the end of this one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's long been an issue, I think, with England's bowlers is just bowling just too short. A whole decade, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, yeah, I don't really get it, particularly when, you know, they're, they're sitting there watching Philander mm. causing a lot of issues for the batting lineup. However, all that being said, I do think you're right. Like, I, th- I think there are some mitigating circumstances here. Like, I, you know, I, I think all those criticisms that we've just made are are absolutely valid, but I would probably be inclined to be a bit less harsh on them than I have been. You know, as you know, Ten, I've been I've been fairly critical over the last kind of three to thirty-five months. But I do think they have you know, an excuse or two here. Obviously the illness which we've talked about. They did also get you know, I've obviously been very critical of the batting line. They did get some quite some pretty good balls in this test, certainly in the first innings, Rory Burns and Dom Sibley got some absolutely unplayable deliveries. And we mentioned how well Philander and Rabada yeah. play, bowled. Now, it's test cricket. You've got to expect that the bowlers are going to be very good. That's the whole thing. But it's not like in, you know, at times over the last year or two where they've really thrown their wickets away. They did, some of them threw their wickets away. Johnny though we've mentioned. But, you know, they were got out by some very good bowlers. And in the second innings, they actually batted better the problem with that is that that then enables Joe Root to say, I'm really proud of the way we bounce back in the second innings. And it's like, well, yeah, but you still lost by 100 runs, mate. But it is true that they batted better in the second innings. And it's encouraging to see someone like Rory Burns go out and knuckle down and leave the ball and grind out some runs. Uh, and it does seem like they might have finally found an opener in Rory Burns. The only problem is they now need another one, you know, spent best part of a decade trying to find an opener they've got one but now Cook's retired and they need another one so we still need an opener but um, there are reasons to kind of or there would be reasons to just write this game off I think because of all the issues in the preparation and all the stuff we've spoken about I guess the only thing is that it's part of a much wider pattern a much you know a, a, a stretch of results going back quite some way now that you think well it's not a blip it's 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 part of the same thing and, you know, doesn't make me hugely optimistic about the rest of the series. But, you know, 
let's let's perhaps not be uh, not be too down on them for this particular game. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you, to a certain extent, yeah, you can't on one hand praise how good uh, a bowling attack's been and then be too critical of the batting because I agree. I think you need, it's a wait and see at the moment. I think, but yeah, ugh, there's just an air of I think exacerbation is the exasperation not exacerbation exacerbation is the exasperation exasperation is the word I think the operative word at the yeah. moment yeah um, I don't know uh, you know Broaden Anderson I think I think questions will start to be asked well Broad had a very good summer didn't he and he, he was poorly in the lead up yeah um, but yeah Anderson obviously was injured and didn't look very good here and, and there's a well didn't look really fit and that you know if that carries on for the rest of the series, there might be questions about his future because he is definitely getting on a bit now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is all a wait and see. I yeah, think. But, definitely. But you're right that there does seem to be more of an air of frustration with this team than there was even in the summer. Um, and that's kind of what I've been wanting. <laughs> I've been, not that I've been wanting people to be frustrated, but that I've wanted people to, to admit uh, that England have a problem. But even once you've admitted it, what's the solution? Because a lot of it is around like systemic issues with <laughs> English cricket and the you know the, the championship and when fixtures are played. And you know that it's going to be a it has to be a long term fix. It's not like there's loads of players knocking on the door to be selected. But I suppose the first step is is diagnosis, isn't it? And um, all that said, it was quite an enjoyable test yeah, match to watch. Really wasn't it? enjoyed you know, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you say. It's cricket, you know, it's the... It's cricket. It's cricket, isn't it? But it's the, uh, you know, cricket's ability to lull you into thinking that England were going to get a record score on a pitch <laughs> that was, you know, doing a bit here and there and then, you know, against the bowling attack who, if they'd open up one end... I'd never thought about that. I, 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 like, it is remarkable how often people do fall into that trap. It was never going to happen. I suppose we said that about Headingley and that it did happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, because of yeah, Headingley, exactly. people now think it it could happen you know that it that it probably will happen but it's like the 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 astonishing thing about headingley was that it that was it so happened. unlikely yeah. you know so so it's you know the idea that it was going to happen again was was pretty far-fetched i think yeah that said though as you you know as you said you know watching burns actually dig in and make a go of it mm. was encouraging um so yeah yeah on to the next. you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
next one? Well, on to the next thing to talk about, Tone. How about that? How was that for a link? You may have seen over the last few days, the ICC have announced that they are considering introducing mandatory four-day tests. So I'll, I'll read you the start of this article from a website called Crick Info. Four-day test matches could become mandatory as part of the World Test Championship from 2023, with the ICC's Cricket Committee likely to formally consider the change in 2020 amid widespread discussions among member boards about how to reduce numerous pressure points in the global cricket calendar. The ICC's increasing demand for event windows, the proliferation of domestic T20 leagues, the BCCI's demands for its own sizable share of bilateral calendar space, and the costs of staging test series are all factors contributing to the move, which would shave off a significant amount of time from the calendar for the 2023 to 2031 cycle. Uh, And then it goes on to talk about how uh, it might also simplify the schedule and that test matches could always be played. If it's just four days, a test match could always be played Thursday to Sunday, a bit like a golf tournament, and then everyone knows where they are rather than Thursday to Monday one week, Friday to Tuesday the next, etc., etc. So that it it might help to uh, uh, to simplify things. So yeah, I'll leave that there. What's your feeling about this, Tane? How do you feel about four day tests? I'm sure we've spoken about it in the past. I've no idea what we said. No. So <laughs> it's all been you. Back in for this. Uh, what do you reckon? I mean, my well, I think in a perfect world, obviously in a perfect world, five day tests stay. My, you know, that's what I would like to see. That would be item one if you were creating a perfect world. <laughs> <would it? laughs> Top of the list. Uh, uh, Aladdin's genie turned up. I don't necessarily share everyone's, or well, share a lot of people's fears that it would be, it would destroy test cricket. There is, you know, I think the evidence that of, of how long games go on and just the way tests are being played now in, in, in 2020. Yeah, I think that's reasonably compelling. And, and I, I do like the simplification of, of playing Thursday to Sunday. I think that's that is quite a nice idea. But that all that said, I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. fundamentally, and I know like tests haven't always been five days, you know, historically, but that is obviously the, you know the pattern we settled into at some stage. Yeah, um, a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. It's not like it was 1995 or something. You know, it just seems it seems so antagonistic to you know fans of what is obviously like test cricket's obviously such a an idiosyncratic kind of you know it's not a commercial it's obviously so much more than just numbers and and whatnot and and you know people will be kind of rightly enraged by this but my fear though is that it just four day tests just aren't going to go away and that yeah the people at the top you know the agenda is almost set i think now yeah, I think it's the way things are going. I mean, it does. So, yeah, you're talking about like because obviously there's been a huge backlash against this idea already, and that people be enraged. And I'm definitely one of those people. Like it, it does. Well, I was going to say it really worries me. I suppose it does. It does make me angry as well. And my first reaction is just to tell them to fuck off, basically, because you know just leave it alone. Like it works. Yeah, it might not necessarily work financially, and that's the issue. But as a game, it works brilliantly. Trying to kind of take a step back from that initial reaction, it still worries me because it it also feels a bit like a slippery slope. Like if you start to mess about with the kind of key elements of the game, what else are you going to change? You know, 
and that it, it also feels like a slippery slope to just getting rid of test cricket. It's definitely a step on the road to a kind of complete devaluation of it. Everything about it that makes it works and makes it great and makes it, in my opinion, by far the greatest form of the game, a game which is, in my opinion, the greatest game. Yeah, it really worries me. And it does make me angry because you know that the people making these decisions are not cricket people, are they? They're, they're money people. And obviously, as lots of people have pointed out already, had this been the case in the past, we'd have been deprived of some of the greatest moments in Test history. Think of all those great fifth-day finishes, whether it be victories or draws. You know, some of my favourite moments in in Test cricket are those nine-wicket draws. You know, Cardiff 2009, the, the couple of nine-wicket draws. Uh, on England's tour of South Africa 10 years ago, or yeah, 10 years ago, 2009. We wouldn't have seen those if they'd been four-day tests. Now, yeah, part of the plan, it's not just that you'd, you wouldn't just simply take off a day. The idea is that you'd extend each day so there'd be more overs each day, 98 overs rather than 90. So you wouldn't lose all of that play in theory, though you'd still obviously lose quite a lot of it. And the other thing would be that had those games been four days, they'd have been played in a completely different way. And you might also then have seen a lot of uh, fourth day finishes that we, you know, great fourth day finishes that we haven't seen because there was always an, an extra day. So it's not as straightforward as that. But the big issue for me is rain. What are you going to do about rain? At the moment, it's a washed out day makes a result very difficult in a five day test. But in a four day test, it becomes borderline impossible. If you lose the first day to rain, that's kind of it, isn't it? Game over. And we know that rain happens a lot in places where cricket is played, uh, not least in England, but in you know around the world as well. And I'm not sure how you resolve that. There's talk of having a reserve day, but if you're going to have a reserve day, you might as well have a fifth day. Yeah. Because then you, you, if you have the reserve day, you have, to, you have to have that set aside in the broadcast schedule. You have to have it set aside in the, uh, the playing schedule so you can't sort of arrange a T20 the next day. There's no advantage to having a reserve day you just might as well have the fifth day. So I don't know what they do about rain. Well, yeah, no, I mean, as you say, it, it just, it's sort of fundamentally, it, it's just a bit of a nonsense. It, it's just, it, it's changing the game that everyone loves for for purely financial reasons, which that mentality is perfectly understandable when those, when, yeah, exactly, as you say, the people, you know, in charge of organising the game aren't really interested in the game. They're more interested in the financial outcomes. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, <sighs> How do you change that? Yeah, well, it's a it's a good question. The Bayfield report is looming, surely. I, I, the, we've talked about it obviously loads in the past, but cricket is in a really difficult place, isn't it, in terms of trying to work out how it fits in and maps onto like the modern world, and obviously the addition of T Twenty, you know, near, near, I guess close to twenty years ago or fifteen years ago. The addition of T20, you know, a decade or more ago. <laughs> yeah, that, that's made life any easier, has it? And we've spoken about it before. That does need, something needs to be done about test cricket around the world and making it more appealing to spectators and and young players and, and kids and, and everything. Uh, this doesn't solve that, though. Well, this doesn't do that, yeah. No, the, the idea that's, that, the, that's the issue. Yeah, I think there might be someone out there who's like, five days, forget it, boring. <laughs> then you go, no, it's only four days. You go, oh, four days, great, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Like, And that's that's what I mean about the slippery slope because I, I worry that if that's the road you want to go down to try and change it to appeal to that sort of person, then you're going to have to change it much more than that. 
and you know, I just think just leave it alone. You've got T20 for that. Leave Test cricket alone. However, the only thing I was going to say about this is uh, my mind is probably slightly more open on this idea than it was a couple of years ago when it was first kind of kicking around. And I was actually thinking about it during the Centurion test before this announcement came through. And the reason is that because test cricket these days is played at such a breakneck pace, it's, it's like fast forward cricket, isn't it? It's something we've been talking about over the last few years. Run rates are higher and batting lineups, well, and the standard of bowling is very high around the world at the moment and batting and the standard of batting is pretty low perhaps because of the impact of T20 amongst other reasons, you know, batsman's technique isn't what it was. So a lot of teams are struggling to post big totals and we're seeing a a lot of tests being over in three or four days. But not only that, even the ones that went to a fifth day, a lot of them, the result was inevitable going into the fifth day. The point I'm trying to make is I feel like the draw has almost disappeared from test cricket because of this, because tests are over quicker because teams are collapsing in a heap quite often. So in in the Centurion test, if that had been a four-day test, England would have had a real chance of drawing the game. But as it is, they have no chance. They had nothing really to play for in the second innings. Now, obviously, that happened in the past as well. But it seems to happen more that the fourth innings of the game is starting on the third day rather than the fourth day, which means that the idea of kind of salvaging a draw has sort of disappeared. And actually, that's a brilliant part of Test cricket. And some of my favourite moments in Test history have been draws. Well, obviously, as an England fan, when England are kind of backs to the wall, victory has disappeared, but there's still... And they've been they've been awful in the first half of the game, but there's still a chance if they, you know, Brigadier Block comes out and they and they knuckle down that they might be able to to salvage a draw. And that just... That does, when uh, can you think of one that's happened in in the last few years? You're the wrong person. To yeah, ask definitely the wrong person. Everything. But it just doesn't really seem to happen anymore. Not just England, but I do think that's a key part of Test cricket, and it's sort of disappearing. Now the trouble is that all the points that we've made still stand about weather and and tinkering with something that people love and all of that. It's all still true. And the other thing would be that it could it could well be just a cyclical thing that batting is so poor at the moment and it could change again in the future. It's not that long ago that our main concern was that there were too many draws in test cricket, that it was always 600 plays 500 on a flat pitch. So should you kind of change the rules and the the framework of the sport just because of a pattern of, you know, of two or three years? And if you make this change, would that in fact exacerbate that situation because it would encourage everyone to... You know, exasperate to, the situation. It would, it would exasperate the situation because it would make it even more frantic and people less concerned about batting time but yeah I just sort of wanted to add that in as being if they do go ahead with it there might be an upside it's it's not wholly without merit you know but ultimately I still come down on thinking it's a terrible idea but that that's just something I wanted to 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 flag up yeah yeah no I don't I, that's, I don't think there are the necessarily no positive arguments but is, are they coming from the right place that's the thing are they being used i don't the, think that's why they're doing it no exactly it, it's like justifying mm. uh, you know justifying the the move isn't it afterwards well and also they they are just being it to my mind they're just being untruthful being mendacious in the justification they put forward the idea that that it is all about kind of taking pressure off the calendar and it because that could be true and could be a reason to do it to prevent burnout potentially to allow teams more time for preparation for which would series. not be used for that well it's not going to be used yeah. for that there's going to be more t20 competitions 
there, there won't be any fewer days of cricket as a result of this change. No chance. There'll just be more T20. Obviously, finance, like, you know, it's easy to be, um, you know, about sort of financial things, just mm. be like, oh, it's just greed. You know, like... Yeah, it's easy it, to be on a high horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the money is important and there wouldn't be cricket if there wasn't money in it. So... Would you rather have, you know, obviously the way things have been going, and we, we, you know, we spoke to Tim Wigmore a couple of weeks ago about about T20s, and and you know, it's interesting. This, you look at India, the change in, um, you know, the makeup of revenue from international cricket and domestic cricket, how it's just kind of, you know, obviously the, the revenue they make from the, the IPL just swamped whatever they used to make from international bilateral matches and whatnot. Like, would you rather have more and sustainable cricket that? of the kind that you don't necessarily like as much as the other ones, say like T20, but not test cricket, mm. would you have more and, and cricket be bigger or would you rather a smaller sport, which retains its kind of historic idiosyncrasies? And yeah, I think, I think at some point cricket needs to just like crack on for a few years and not, not like make too many wholesale changes. Just crack on lads. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It, it does. For whatever reason, us, but other, you know, us as in in the round, the media, the media, yeah, or just people, high profile people know, in the media, put, like to chat, don't they, about, about <laughs> cricket and about where it's going, it's and put pressure on, and it does. There, there is a sort of there's a, a pressure exerted on cricket to kind of constantly reinvent itself because it's sort of billed as dying or being squeezed or whatever mm. or exploited. I, 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 it's really hard. I, yeah, you know, we spoke about it before, but I do think it's time for a Bayfield report. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'd be, you know, I'd be very happy to to write a thousand page report if the ICC want to read it. And we should do a, a World Cricket Show special at some point, mm. the Bayfield report featuring Kerr, where we kind of we try and sort it out on drums, try and sort out the mess. But I, I, but would that be part of the problem though? Because I do think you're right in some ways talking about the crisis in test cricket is the crisis in test mm. cricket like if you just if you do just let people get on with it maybe that's the answer yeah i mean i mean yeah you look at ireland obviously you know we've we've been enjoying or we enjoyed the idea that you know ireland and afghanistan were going to come into test cricket and it was, you know test cricket was growing obviously they've had a very challenging year and it, and it looks you know the, the path ahead looks pretty challenging in terms of establishing themselves as a, as a proper test well, they just had side. to cancel everything, basically. Test matches, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, or cancelled a few things. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that, that that's a real challenge, isn't it, obviously, at the moment. Uh, you yeah, know, we mentioned it before about this this idea, or that uh, it's not an idea, is it, it's going to happen, this uh, four-team tournament involving England, India, Australia, and an invited other yeah. uh, to be played annually, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like... That's almost a parody of the current situation isn't it? It, it it's yeah it's slightly bonkers really yeah. that that's i mean i, I don't know it, where, where it's going to be played in india P- probably yeah. yeah it is depressing it's really depressing it does feel for all that on the field 2019 was a really good year of cricket I'm not going to go into it but you know perhaps the world cup wasn't quite as good overall as some people say but with the final being probably the best ADI ever the stokes headingly moment and lots of good test cricket as well on the field it was a good year but off the field it does just feel like cricket is heading in a direction that i'm not on board with and it's not all about me obviously but it just it's a bit depressing it just doesn't feel like the same thing that it used to be yeah the thing we love about well 
one of the, you know the thing I love about cricket as much as anything it, you know it, it is the it's the international nature of it it's mm. the variety isn't it it's the everything but I don't know there's 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 a long way to go here isn't there and you you, you know you, you sense you know Indian cricket will look at the NFL as you know it, they can create the sport effectively they have the the means and the the market to make that the sport is just mm. cricket in India that's cricket yeah. Uh, which is which is a bit worrying. Well, it's worrying for the rest of us. Well, it's not. Well, yeah, we might get some great cricket out of it, but in terms of the health of, yeah, of international cricket more widely, it is worrying. Oh well, on that note, uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week, Tone. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, actually, you know, just just to go from taking a very macro view to talking about some specific test cricket. Let's just quickly finish off by mentioning the series in Australia uh, between the Aussies and New Zealand, kind of big marquee series of the Australian. Some are somewhat overshadowed, you'd have to say, by the terrible situation with bushfires in Australia. But the series has been going on. There's one test to play, uh, which is about, as we're recording, this is about to get underway in Sydney. So we talked about this last time, Tone, and like before the series started, and I definitely thought that New Zealand had a real chance in this series, obviously with Williamson, Taylor, Latham, that fantastic bowling attack. You know, on paper, it's as strong a team as they've ever had, and that's that's been borne out by some terrific results over the last few years. But it didn't happen. Australia, with two pretty comfortable wins in Perth and Melbourne, 100 from Marnus Labashain and nine wickets for Mitchell Stark, seeing a, a crushing victory in Perth and followed up by a 100 for Travis Head and lots of wickets for Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon and James Pattinson in Melbourne. New Zealand didn't pass 200 until their fourth batting effort of the series. Kane Williamson's barely scored a run. So yeah, a pretty chastening experience for the Kiwis. I do still think they are a very good team. I don't think that's changed. I guess it's just a... I guess it's just a stark reminder of just how good Australia are in home conditions. I mean, they're becoming a very good team full stop. Obviously, they just uh, uh, won the Ashes or, or achieved success in the Ashes. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you say that uh, in England. Uh, but partic- you know, particularly with that, uh, that fearsome bowling attack led by Cummins, but especially on home pitches, it's a very tough assignment for anyone to go there and get a result which obviously India did this time last year, but Australia might feel that they didn't quite, they weren't able to give of their best in that series with Smith and Warner absent and some injuries in the bowling. India are due to return this time next year. Uh, A real shock there as two of the big three play each other again. Uh, But actually that could be a really cracking series. If they played each other now, I think that would be a very good test series, a kind of Titanic battle bat. So yeah, this series hasn't really uh, taken off uh, in the way that we thought it might. Um, but yes, very impressive stuff from Australia. That's about it for the podcast. This time, we'll be back soon. Happy New Year again, Tone. And to you. What are your plans for the decade? Um, God. <laughs> you look genuinely worried. Did you enjoy New Year's Eve? You were hanging out with me on New Year's Eve. It was good, wasn't it? It was good. Um, Just me and you. Yeah, pretty chilled, very quiet. <laughs> that was nice, yeah. Saw in the decade. I don't, 
yeah i could go into a bit of a sort of think piece about how new it is celebrated but go on i'm I'll sure the it, listeners yeah, would love we'll to leave, hear we'll it we'll part that till next <laughs> year or decade but yeah quite big year ahead hey you got the well a couple of t20 world cups yeah some other cricket to be played test series the hundred <laughs> it's all very exciting isn't it it's, it's very exciting uh but yeah as i say we'll be back in a week or two with lots more cricket to talk about in the meantime <clears throat> Uh, in the meantime, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, you can get involved on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter at cricket show. We're on Instagram at world cricket show. Uh, and if you'd like to do us a favour, then why not write a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use? Because that is a very good way of bringing new people to the show. But that's it, I think. Stay in school, everyone. Thanks for having me around, Tony. How do you find Pleasure. it in the director's chair? Nice, actually. Yeah, a bit uncomfortable. But, you yeah, know, the gaze of the, the studio audience and everything. It's all a bit... I feel a bit under pressure. I might go back to your seat next. Yeah, it's surprising how little noise the studio audience makes, isn't it? <laughs> they are very patient. <laughs> it's where they queue for hours to get in, but, yeah, you wonder why, given that they, they never laugh at any of our jokes. Shy. Uh, well, anyway, thanks for coming, guys. And uh, thanks to all of you at home for listening. See you soon. Yeah, cherry. Bye-bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.